Don't leave surprise guests on the podcast there, panel. There are surprise guests. Please don't leave. There are surprise guests. Listen to the man walking with the microphone. Surprise guests. Who could they be? People don't get to walk around with a microphone unless they have important things to say. Listen to what he's <laughs> Thank you. What the f*** is going on down there? Hey everybody, what you're about to hear is the TFCon Chicago 2016 Friday Night Podcast Roundtable Panel, hosted by Transmissions, uh, featuring myself and Aaron from WTFW, along with uh, Podcast Maximus and a slew of strange surprise guests. So, hope you enjoy this, and stay tuned for some more TFCon Chicago stuff. We've got an interview with 3A's Greg Prout and the Sunday Podcast Roundtable. In the meantime, here's Friday. Hi everyone! Uh, thanks, thanks for sticking around. Um, we do have prizes, so I'll get to that in a second. But tickets are being passed around, so uh, make sure you get a ticket. Uh, and you know, by, by the end of the show, we'll uh, we'll uh, do the prizes. But I want to say uh, hi. Uh, my name is Charles, aka Big C. I'm the host of the Transmissions Podcast uh, with my fellow co-hosts here. Uh, <laughs> hi, I'm Jeremy. Transmissions. Hi. <laughs> Hi, I'm Yoshi. And I'm uh, Daryl, uh, Cybertronian Beast. <laughs> I'm Gary. How are you? He's a silent host. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, the uh, podcast Maximus. We have Marion. Hello, I'm Marion from the UK. And WTF at TFW. That's uh, Aaron. I am, I'm Chris. My internet name is Vangelis on some message boards and Susan on some other message boards. And we also have some very special guests that we didn't know were coming, but we're very happy to have them here. So <laughs> voice actors aplenty here. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Uh, I'll let Greg introduce himself. <laughs> Hey, hi, I'm Greg Berger. Uh, I was G1 Grimlock, Long Haul, Skyfire, and uh, Outback. And uh, happy to be with you and uh, meet Dinobot Leader. <laughs> I'm Richard Human, uh, played Rhinox in Beast Wars and uh, Vector Prime in Cybertron. And, uh, and that's just dandy. <laughs> Um, hi, I'm Gary Chalk. I, uh, I played uh, Optimus Primal, Optimus Prime, Primal Primal, uh, in a few different series, and uh, I'm happy to be here as well, because it's really cold outside, um, and it's uh, fun to be here with all these guys and to see all the, po- the podcasters in the flesh, because you hear them on the, on the internet, but you never really see them, and it's so nice to be here to see all you all, all you all, all. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, uh, lots of people do podcasts, not just us, so we don't want to. <laughs> really? Uh, 
I, I think in, in general, the Transformers community has, has a lot of podcasts, and I think it's something that's very, uh, you know, fun and, and easy to do, I guess. Easy, at least easy to start, but hard to, hard to finish. Um, and we, uh, you know, we, we like talking about Transformers. We like uh, talking to uh, the awesome people who work on Transformers, on the cartoons and on the comics. And, uh, and we love uh, talking and uh, putting out shows for people to listen to. And we also like getting feedback from, uh, from people who listen to the show. So we want to uh, do, do this as a, as a very special podcast. So actually everyone here... Uh, you will get a chance to be on this podcast. This will be uh, released later on through all of our shows, and uh, I think it'll it'll be a great time. And I did mention prizes, so we do have a couple of prizes. Uh, and so, uh, if you're familiar with the Transmissions podcast, we commissioned a special comic uh, to all our one number one. This is a special cover you can only get from us. We have a couple here to give away. And uh, we have the ultimate guide to vintage Transformers action figures. And this will come in handy in the next two days if you want to make deals uh, on the show floor. So we'll start giving those away in a second. But before we do that, uh, let's start with talking a little bit about, these, about the podcast we do. And then we'll, we'll turn it over to you and also turn it over to our voice actors to talk a little bit about what they do. Uh, so uh, I want to start with uh, Marion. What is uh, what? Tell us about your show and, and what's the theme and what do you guys talk about? Right. So um, podcast Maximus is a very young podcast. We're a year old. Uh, I didn't. Um, I wasn't there at the very beginning. So I joined the podcast around December last year. Um, it kind of uh, it sprung from um, a UK-based. Um, website called TF Archive. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with TF Archive. Uh, and uh, a, lot of the, um, a lot of the fans that hang around at the TF Archive forums also hang around at the, auto, at the old auto assembly, which is now, um, or the new TF Nation, as it is in the UK convention. And um, uh, how many of you guys are, um, are more familiar with the, the Underbase podcast? Yeah, I know, yes. So the underbase, as you know, is no longer broadcasting. So there was a, quite a big gap in the sort of uh, comic reviewing podcasting world at the time. Uh, so a few of the TF Archive folk thought uh, maybe this is you know an opportunity for us to start something. So when uh, when they first begun, they weren't quite sure what they wanted to do with the podcast. So they sort of started with the uh, auto assembly review episode, and then uh, there were a couple of um, comic book review episodes and then there were uh, some toy ones. And at some point in December, they invited me on as a guest uh, on the More Than Meets the Eye uh, scavengers issue review, in fact, at the time. And uh, we sort of hit it off, uh, myself and uh, Stuart and Tom, uh, when we did that episode. And then we sort of thought, well, maybe we should do another one and see how it goes. So we are very much a winging it kind of podcast, uh, which is the uh, technical term for... We kind of do an episode whenever we you know we all have time to do an episode. Um, but um, I hope uh, people are enjoying them. Um, it's, it's very, uh, I don't know if my fellow podcasters agree that sometimes it's really hard to tell whether people are A, listening to you, uh, B, actually enjoying what they're listening to, <laughs> you know, or um, whether they have, you know, uh, anything negative to tell you. Usually when people have something bad to tell you, they'll tell you. Uh, so um, we take it that no feedback is good feedback. Yeah. 
Um, so uh, yeah, we're sort of like um, we are. We are not like these guys, you know. So we don't have a schedule. Uh, we sort of like release episodes when we can release episodes. So um, uh, it is something that's very much a labor of love. We sort of squeeze it in whenever we have time to do it. Uh, and we have, in the end, focused on the, our recipe at the moment is very much focused on reviewing the comic books. Um, and uh, we sort of sometimes will wait, we'll get uh, a couple of issues in, and then we'll sort of do a review there. So uh, if you haven't listened to our podcast yet, we really hope that you will do. Uh, we did get to interview James Roberts this summer at uh, TF Nation as well. I don't know if you've listened to that interview. Um, and uh, we hope to continue as long as people want to listen to us because we very, very much enjoy what we do. Uh, so uh, give us a listen. All right. Next, uh, WTF at TFW, I think one of the most major uh, Transformers podcasts. and uh, I've never heard of them. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've just kind of uh, been winging it as well since 2008. And uh, we are uh, hosted by TFW2005.com, which means we've skipped the part most podcasts struggle with now, myself included, when I tried it my own, which is we are hosted, so we don't have to worry about hosting of any kind. Um, we actually have a new blog up. If anyone wants to check it out, it's wtf.tfw2005.com. We have special fancy things like a play button and uh, individual episode pages and images. Um, on, not in the episodes themselves, but on the, the websites. But uh, we, That'd be a video then. Yeah, we, we, we have still video uh, called JPEGs. <laughs> the, they're kind of a new thing. We, uh, we generally try to record every week. We have recorded every week for 429 weeks. Uh, the episodes don't necessarily go up every week, but we record them every week regardless. Uh, we have a very... We started with a very, I, I think, very Smodcast-inspired approach. Yeah. Very conversational. Um, we have, like, two teams, which have dwindled somewhat, but we just stuck with them because that's what we do. That's kind of the motto of the podcast. We just do what we do. And uh, we like to call ourselves a Transformers podcast by Transformers fans, where we talk about things like Star Trek and uh, breaches, um, period reenactment, uh, wrestling. Um, There was a period where we talked about Glyos a whole lot, uh, Kamen Rider, uh, Arnold Palmer's Half and Half. And uh, I think that once in episode one, we had a coffee review. But I don't quite remember what episode that no, was. No, that was one of the early ones. Yeah. We had a whole theme song and everything. We the, said... That was in the early days when you had the hard limit because you had the like extra bit of Gog Dog Gets Caffeinated. Yeah, that, that went up as a supplemental episode. Yeah. So basically, we are all folks in this podcast who have been in the fandom for a while, and we have a belief that we stick to, which is we want to talk about Transformers in a constructive way, and we don't want to become the ones saying all the kids are enjoying this wrong. Uh, which has led to interesting discussions about the heat death of the universe and the nature of nostalgia, especially as decades go on. But uh, it, it's still a lot of fun, yeah. uh, so please do check it out. Yeah, our, our attitude really came from about the time that we started. There were still a couple of older ones that were prior to us that everything that came out didn't matter what it was. Oh, it's not G1. That's not right. It's like, well, okay, there can be other stories too. And I think we've always kept... Unless it really is a horrible toy, at least be able to find like, hey, no, there's good in all of this stuff, and how you enjoyed it, you know, this fandom is going to be different than how that person enjoys it and how that person enjoys it. And I like to argue with Aaron, so even if I don't believe something, but everyone else does, I just sort of take another viewpoint, at least for a few minutes, until I run out of ideas. 
<laughs> right. Please check us out yeah. if you like. We, we, we have a Zoom link as well. If you're still on the Zoom store, it's listed in every That's, episode. We, we actually have people here. Anybody here still have a Zoom that works? Do you use it? Please subscribe. We have had a downturn of Zoom traffic lately, and we found that that listener loyalship was not apparently worth much. So if we'd like to get some more, thank you. And he says listener as single, not listener as in plural. So, okay. Transmissions is not on Zoom. Oh, so- sorry. Noob. We, we can hook you up. If you... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, transmissions podcast. I guess we're we're in the middle. We're we're not as uh, as uh, old as TFW, and we're not quite as young as Podcast Maximus. So we just celebrated our third anniversary uh, in August, and uh, four guys got together and just wanted to talk Transformers. And we, you know, we we love uh, primarily toys and comics, so that's a that's a big focus of our show. But we try to kind of provide something for everyone. So. Uh, maybe I'll let uh, I'll let my co-hosts uh, talk a little bit as well. Yeah, I think um, we work, we try to be fairly balanced. We have Daryl, who's tries to keep us talking about toys, Charles as long and as I possible. kind of in comics, and then Yoshi just kind of grumbles about everything. <laughs> and it, I don't know, we've just been having fun. Um, we do have hosting costs and. Thankfully, we have uh, fans that support us with Patreon, so that helps. And yeah, it's just it's been a fun three years. We we also have a, a fan who turned into the editor of our show. Mike yeah, is right there, awesome. and uh, yeah. uh, so note Chris's applause because it's the thing he hates the most. <laughs> You're my new favorite person in the room. <laughs> He's ours. <laughs> whatever he, have him. whatever he offers you, we'll double it. <laughs> And uh, we also, I, I want to give a shout out to, to uh, another listener, K-Girl, if she's in the room. K-Girl, you're here? Well, she did, <laughs> she did, she did the, art, the artwork for our logo, and she, she did that completely. She was a listener of the show, and she said, okay, I made this for you, and she gave it to us. And we said, wow, that's awesome. Can we use it? And she said yes. So we, uh, we continued to use it for our logo, and, uh, and we had it uh, published on our, on our book. So thank you uh, to K-Girl and... Uh, uh, she'll be at our table yeah. at uh, at the show, so if you want to get commissions from her, her art is uh, amazing, and uh, we definitely want to want to promote her. Um, so yeah, those are the podcasts. I mean, there's lots of other podcasts out there, uh, out Transformers theme podcasts in particular. So definitely listen to those. One of the things we love doing is interviewing uh, guests, interviewing people who have worked on uh, Transformers, and particularly voice actors. So it's a real treat to have some of them up here with us. Thank you for uh, for joining us there. And uh, I, I think uh, you know uh, we're gonna turn things over to the audience and actually ask you guys questions so you guys can come and interact and, and talk about what you like and even ask, I mean, you probably don't want to ask us questions, but if you want to ask the voice actors here questions, this is like a special secret additional voice acting panel. You hey, can, can I just voice an opinion? Sure. This is slightly more than a civilian opinion, but it is an opinion. I, I don't think there's a wrong way to enjoy anything. I think the secret is uh, having something that has the longevity that this has had, that has never lost interest, and the fact that this interest is being held in place and uh, encouraged and enabled by these podcasts is astonishing, is just one more part of 
the community that the Transformers fandom and fan world is. So uh, I'm just here to applaud that, but I also want to, well, two other things. Um, well, I've forgotten one of them. <laughs> the other one was that Gary Chalk had said it was so good to see these guys in the flesh. And you can't tell from out there, but actually from the waist down, they are all in the flesh. <laughs> I think we all have pants on up here. Okay, uh, Daryl. He's got the mic. If you got a, you, um, he's gonna come around, ask some. So questions. yeah, we had uh, we had some uh, some tickets passed out at the beginning. These are f to enter you in a draw. If you didn't get a ticket, uh, put your hand up. Everyone got a ticket? You got a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll hook you up. Um, but if you ask a question, you're gonna get another ticket. All right. So you got a question, or you need a ticket? All right, cool. This is for all the people who worked on the Beast Machine show. I know it's highly controversial, and I was just wondering, were there any behind-the-scenes thoughts that, that were not locally made public? Or what, what were your experiences working on the show as opposed to what you guys started with on Beast Wars compared to... How these machines ended. I, uh, as you might know, uh, wasn't in the first part of Beast Machines uh, because Rhinox had become a character called Tankor, uh, and that character was played by an actor named Paul Dobson. Uh, so I kind of got involved in that when the switch happened, when the audience was allowed to realize that Tankor and Rhinox were the same person, uh, which created a very interesting day in studio with me standing next to Paul Dobson while each of us went back and forth between the characters and then I finally Rhinox emerged again. So uh, I, I thought it was a really interesting character arc, but because I wasn't in the first, I don't know, half dozen episodes, I guess, um, I was kind of unfamiliar with what was going on by the time I got there, so it kind of shocked me. But it was fun to play, certainly. I mean, spend two years uh, playing a character who's, you know, basically the essence of goodness and then turn him into somebody evil. Uh, that was quite a lot of fun. I know a lot of the fans didn't like it, but as an actor, it was quite a challenge, so I had a great time. I, I, but for the rest of the season, I mean, yeah, I was in like three episodes, I think, that year. So here's the guy. Um, I suffer from sometimers. <laughs> um, sometimes I remember sometimes I don't. <laughs> um, no, I remember you know, my first experience with Transformers was doing the commercials for uh, Transformers uh, back before I even started doing the Transformers uh, Generation 2. I remember all those. Transformers Generation 2. All those. I did all those ads and I didn't think anything out. I just thought it was another toy. And uh, then they came up with this idea of beast machines, or, or uh, beast wars, as we called it, but then some politically correct person said, no, we can't have that, so we're going to call it beasties. Beasties, yes. And beasties. just, you know, just, you know, to make it manly, it was a, it was a, a challenge in itself. Um, but uh, I didn't really think much of it. I just went and I, I auditioned for the, the thing, and... Uh, it came down, it came down, and all the time that I was auditioning, thinking, 
I'm going to be Megatron. I'm going to be Megatron. <laughs> See, I thought that no, too, you're... actually. Huh? I, I thought that too. Did you? That I was going to be Megatron. I just, um, I love Megatron because Megatron gets all the best lines. You know, the, um, the thing about Optimus is he's kind of like the straight guy to everybody else. And, and uh, it was trying to maintain that kind of, you know how heroes can sometimes be really boring? And it's just trying to make him warm and and have a sense of humor, but at the same time hold the team together. And uh, as a, as you say, as it was a real acting challenge, and uh, and uh, so it's so much fun. I mean, working with these guys, I work with with him and and with uh, Scott and Venus, which everybody whenever Venus came in the studio, everybody forgot their lines. <laughs> Because they're just, you know, it, you, the director would be going, okay, line 25, uh, Scott, Scott, yes, yes, no, Scott, my eyes are here. You know, because we always, we always look at Venus, the most beautiful cartoon voice actor in the world. And uh, she was wonderful, and Jim Burns, of course, and um, uh, Al Willows and Doug Parker. Al Willows and Doug Parker. All of them were such a joy to work with. If you, you, I mean, what you saw was sort of like the finished product, but what we experienced was a whole, a whole life of years of working in the studio with these guys and some of the stuff that went on, and the jokes that went back and forth were. I mean, I wish we would have had the backstage, off camera. Yeah. Um, uh, a rendition of this show because it was really quite something. It got quite immature on occasion. Huh? Got quite immature on Quite occasion. immature. I remember Scott fell asleep on the middle of the floor and we covered him with scripts. <laughs> and uh, he didn't wake up. And I remember at the end of season one, I think it was season one where Ian Corlett handed me a... Um, a bottle of or a can of Glade, because for whatever reason he thought I was gassy, but I really wasn't. But I always threatened that if you guys don't behave, I, I seem to recall saying that a lot in this. If you don't behave, I'm going to pass wind. And I actually did it a couple of times. Yes, hence he did. The uh, can of Glade. But uh, yeah, balling up used pages of script and throwing them at each other when nobody else was speaking, yes, trying to no get that in before the next take happened. And it'd be like it'd be, it'd be like um, it'd be like cacophony, you know. There are all these people. Oh, line twenty-two, dead silence. The line would come as soon as the line spent. Blah 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 blah. Dead silence. The line would come. I mean, there's a recording. I think there's a recording out there somewhere of. Uh, we were doing a show called Conan. Oh, God, yes. Conan, and, it, Conan and it's the on adventure. the internet somewhere with, with Scott, myself, and Mike Donovan. Mike Donovan, and uh, Stevie who else? Valance. Huh? Stevie Valance was in that, too. Oh, and Stevie Valance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, Stevie Valance, the queen of serious. <laughs> Let's keep it serious. She would never crack. She would never have, you know, she would never, uh, she would never misbehave. That was her thing, but uh, and that's the way it was. You know, mayhem, and then as soon as they yelled, "Line whatever it was," 
dead silence. Everybody got their lines out, and as soon as it was over, out came the paper balls. I mean, the studio, I think the studio wall, one wall was completely covered. <laughs> completely covered in paper. That studio doesn't exist anymore. I had to tear it down. Yeah, it was tough. Our next question. Um, so because you guys can play so many characters, like you play both Grimlock and Skyfire and so many others, and you've played a giant robot rhinoceros, and you've played so many characters as well, do you ever find that you take something away from your characters, like when you're done with the voices, like in the way you act or in the way you think or anything? Uh, I, I play Franklin the Turtle's father, and uh, it made me a better dad. So, Yeah. There are times when, and I mean, as an actor on stage, and especially when you're on stage doing a show for a long time, you wind up, oh, that reminds me of so-and-so. So I think I am the compilation of all the characters that I've played over my life, which I don't know who that is. I don't know. Um, I would like to think that, uh, first of all, if you do multiple voices then, and that's your strength, then that's what you need to promote uh, as you go through your career. It's also the fun of it um, because you get to jump in and out of things and try to not overlap yourself while you're talking to yourself in scenes as different characters. Um, but I remember the call I got from Wally Burr where he said, do you remember the, the audition that you did for Grimlock? And I said, I said, yeah. And he said, are you going to be able to maintain and sustain that character because it was a tonsil buster and I said well I damn well better because uh, I very much you know I, I, I would love to do this I want to do this so I think that finding that and this is this is the difference between having longevity uh, as a voice actor and not especially with the introduction of interactive games but if you can't find that stamina and strength to maintain and sustain then you've done yourself a disservice by pushing an audition to a level that you can't uh, equal again, especially in a series capacity where, where you're being called to do it again and again and again in different scenarios. So I would like to think um, that I became a better actor by learning, uh, going to the voice gym, for lack of a better word, and learning how to bring myself up to the task of the game of jump rope that I just entered into. Um, I did a, a play on stage in Los Angeles with a company called the Deaf West Theater Company. Uh, I was one of, I think, two or three hearing actors in the company. Uh, back, so I, I love situations in life where you're sort of role reversed and instead of sort of holding all the cards in a situation, you hold no cards in a situation. And you're the outsider, and you're the one that needs to sort of figure out how to assimilate yourself. I think that's valuable life experience. And I had it in this deaf world, deaf green room, deaf on stage, although the audience had uh, headsets, so they could actually hear, there were voice actors in the booth who were, who were voicing the characters that were signing on stage. Um, I played uh, a, a psychiatrist in the, it was Cuckoo's Nest, and I was the, the floor psychiatrist. And they wanted sort of that <coughs> outsider, he didn't get the joke, he didn't get stuff. So uh, I, I was, 
uh, able to, to make that work in my favor. I'm mentioning this because I became an, a better actor because of that. I became a better actor because I was immersed in a company that was emoting without having the, the benefit of voice. They all thought it was extraordinary and ironic and funny that I made most much of my uh, income and work as a voice actor. So I, I had a, a skill set that wasn't available to them. They had a skill set that wasn't available to me. But in, in the merging of those two, they really are cultural merging. Uh, I became a better person, I became a better actor, and I became more interesting by experiencing that not fitting in element. So, I mean, I think that happens to all of us to some degree. Good stuff. We had one right here. Thank you. Um, I have a podcast question. Um, I go by the name Hahi Prime. I got to be on the underbase just as it was kind of winding down, and I miss it dreadfully. I've got a couple of friends who are desperate to start a podcast with me where we just talk about fun nerd stuff. And I got as far as downloading Audacity, and it won't let me do anything with the files. So I'm wondering, how did you guys find out how to podcast, and do you have any advice for starting one? Because I'd really appreciate it. This this goes for both podcasts and, and any media making, really. Um, my, my two biggest pieces of advice, having come from hobbyist uh, origins, is number one, uh, the best way to learn is by doing. Um, so with, say, you know, software like Audacity, in my case, I used Audacity and GarageBand a whole lot. Uh, it really just was a case of butting my head against the software, uh, and, and sometimes even years later, discovering that something that would take me 20 minutes to do, there was actually a shortcut that would have saved a lot of time, and you can only really laugh. Um, the other thing is what I would recommend, and this is a harder thing to tell people, um, I find, is just do it. Just make episodes and don't be attached to the quality of your episodes until you've got at least like 12 months behind you. Because it's really, I, with podcasting especially, the first test is can you even maintain a year um, of meeting up, recording, and exporting that, posting it up. Uh, it's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking I've also got to tweak this podcast to be perfect every single week. Uh, that will burn you out very fast and uh, I would recommend first just get the rhythm before worrying about the polish um, so like in your case like I would say just get together headbutt audacity be prepared for a recording to maybe even be lost to the ether but uh, just keep at it really it's it's a lot about consistent headbutting sometimes walls and sometimes tables whatever is a solid enough object and eventually it will break and your head will be the thing that survives I always find that the, 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 the podcasts that I hear that aren't perfect, the ones that sort of go off on tangents sometimes and have fun, are a lot more entertaining and a lot more interesting than a, than a straight uh, question, answer, question, answer. Now that we have this segment and this segment, it becomes like a newscast. Not about sound bites, it's about people interacting and having fun. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had some tremendous times. Uh, with various podcasters from around the around the world, I guess, but uh, lots of lots of fun. And sometimes you don't just talk about transformers, or you don't just talk about it, you talk about different things. But then you come back to it. It's really fun. Yeah, it, it's the nice thing that I you know with that I like about our podcast, and that 
you know, I really enjoy is when it's more like you're just a fly on the wall with a bunch of friends having a conversation versus, you know, just like you said. And then in other news we have, and it's okay, if I wanted a list of the news, I can go to any news page or any Transformers website and just read down the list. That's why I enjoy our conversational thing that lets us wind off to talk about Deep Space Nine or talk about anything. Breaches. And, and yes, my purchase of breaches at a historical reenactment event. Look, my other ones were getting old. What do you expect? It was really fun doing a Google image search for breaches and finding the, the best picture to use for breaches. I have this thing where I, I uh, we're, we're on a large Transformers website, so I I like it if our episode pictures never have anything to do with Transformers. That way you know that's a podcast episode when you see Gold Ducat from DS9 or a man carrying a giant pistol made out of plastic or uh, breeches, a very nice tight shot of the crotch area of some breeches. Um, but going off with... Yeah. But what, what, uh, what Gary said, like just to throw one, one more little addition to that, um, the, th- the thing that I think I found really helpful after a couple of years was thinking about the nature of what a podcast is as well. It's not talk radio as much as it resembles it. It's a la carte entertainment that often comes out once a week. So having tangents, having a conversational tone, I find makes it more bearable for everybody because um, you, you need to be able to do it a lot and you need to be able to do it every week or every, you know, by week if that's your choice. And um, the more you do it, the less attached you have to be to how on target the last one was. So kind of like the difference between a debate and a town hall. Yeah. You know, a town hall, you talk about all the different things you go off on different tangents. It doesn't really matter because it's just, you're part of the conversation. That's the great thing I like about blog when the questions come in and people ask questions. Then you're you're part of it, and the, your audience becomes part of what you're doing. And when you include them in that and go off a chat, I especially like it when two guys or two guys or two people go, "Well, I didn't think that was right." Well, what are you talking about? What do you know? You know, and they start going in on it, and then you take sides. So you become involved in it, and it's it's quite an organic, fun process, and that's what I like about. One thing I would say is don't let perfection stop you from, like like Vangel said, putting out stuff. You know, if you listen to any podcast first few episodes, they're all horrible, regardless. So uh, there are resources out there, like Reddit has a number of podcasting subreddits. You can ask questions. Um, I listen to a number of podcasts about podcasting that give tips and help and um, yeah. Ask the Podcast Coach is probably one of the best for starters. It's uh, They record live Saturday mornings, and it's a call-in show. So you, you can call and ask these questions. Um, I would just um, start there, start with Reddit, and just ask your questions. No question is you know, too dumb. Everyone starts out somewhere. And um, just... At the very least, get the recording scheduled down. Just start recording, and you have all these files, and then eventually you'll be able to progress, edit them, upload them. And, I mean, it's just getting the schedule down is probably the hardest part. Get into the habit of recording everything, and then you right. know, it's it's very easy to cut things out rather than, you know, restore, restore and conversation. And back up. But, yeah. Back up your yeah. stuff. Have <laughs> redundancies. Yeah. 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 yeah and specifically for Audacity, uh, I know there is a separate plugin you have to get to export as MP3. So 
if that was your stumbling block where you just download Audacity. See us after. Like, we can, no. Yeah, but we can, you know. Yeah, ask us. So, I mean. That's why I like GarageBand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all built in. It's so, the best for blogging. The best. <laughs> the best. But, yeah, I mean. And we're not paid. <laughs> I'm a Mac head, so. Yeah. But I mean, we, we just started, and of course, you know, you, you just start, keep making mistakes, and eventually you, you figure it out, and we're happy to share everything yeah. we've learned. We with, are the result else, of a so. massive mistake. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great things about the Transformers podcast community is, I mean, they're so different. Like, WTF is completely different from us, but, you know, we don't really see each other's competition. You, you can download. Yes, we do. <laughs> but you can download hundreds of podcasts on your phones or whatever, and just listen to them whenever. It, you know, it's not and like radio. There is a there's a Transformers podcasters Facebook group, so we could you can join that. I learned so much. <laughs> you know, that was a good question, wasn't it? I, I See, really you're a natural. <laughs> We got a question over here. Good evening. Uh, my question is for the voice actors. Um, obviously, you know, we've had 30 years of Transformers across many different uh, storylines and many different characters. Where do you folks see this franchise going in the future? And secondly, um, for the characters that you guys have played uh, in these different shows, there have obviously been other iterations of those characters through the other shows. Do you like those different iterations? Would you guys like to come back and revisit those possibly in the future under maybe another type of story or another setting? Well, to be very honest, there's a, a, the, some of the iterations I like, some I don't. I'm not uh, a huge fan of, uh, of, of, I think, the latest iteration of, of the Transformers franchise, but that's just me. What I would really like to see, and what I think would be incredibly interesting, is to have an all-female Transformers cast. It would just because, you know, we have a, we have a few females, but I would, it would be, for me, it would be, it would be an interesting switch because most of those archetypal characters that they have in, in Transformers, and they do have a lot of archetypes in the character, they're all male. And whether we like it or not, there's, as you can see, there are a lot of women and, uh, and, uh, and girls who like Transformers. And I think that they, that they also need those kind of archetypal role models that uh, we don't see in a lot of cartoons. Well, we see things like Jem and My Little Pony and so on and so forth. But I would like to see a, a series like Transformers become all-female and all-empowering. I think it would be quite an interesting exercise. It may work. You never know. It may not. It may create an entirely new audience. <laughs> there you go. We got a question over here. Wait, wait. Oh, wait, wait. wait uh, quickly. It's not over yet. <laughs> yeah. See, this is the beauty of blogging. No. Jam and the holog- holograma bots. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Uh, no, I think that's a great idea, actually. I, I, I like the sound of it. Um, I've actually read some articles about, and, and I've seen the word alignment used. Uh, first of all, Transformers fandom is more uh, encourage, allowing and enabling and willing to go through changes and still stick with the franchise than I think anything else that has ever been because there have been so many twists and turns. Mm -hmm. um, I've had the great good fortune of being invited back many, many times. Uh, so I know the joy of that and, and the uh, excitement on my part. Um, through the games, through through newer things, and I've been back as uh, General Stockade in Transformers Robots in Disguise. Uh, so I love any opportunity to return. Uh, it keeps it fresh. But that notion of aligning different generations and incarnations makes all kinds of sense to me if they can figure out a way to do it. Uh, um, so I think that might be an interesting challenge as well. All right, over here. This is uh, a question for Gary, but first, uh, all you guys keep doing what you're doing because you're doing great work. And uh, earlier this year, thanks to Jeremy, actually, uh, I checked out Beast Wars for the first time. <laughs> and uh, I loved it. So this is uh, for Gary. Um, when I saw you were going to be here, uh, and I saw your picture, I was like, that guy looks so familiar. I've seen him in something. And then I realized you're in, like, one of my favorite movies. You're the, in The Fly 2. You play Scorby in The Fly 2? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, that was a real landmark for me as well. I love that movie. That movie, I got to play a villain, which is really cool. You but it was there my a, there first a squad room in North America that can get along without Gary Chalk. That's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> but so, it was my first lead role in an American feature film. And uh, I think it was the first lead for a Vancouver actor to get a lead in a feature film in America, or in, in Vancouver, because previous to that, we would get the one-liners, the two-liners, and uh, the, the day parts, and anything any bigger than that, they didn't trust us, and uh, went to America. But right in the middle of our filming that movie, uh, the writer's strike happened. And so we couldn't alter the script. We couldn't do anything to the script because it was literally like doing a theater show because it was written in stone. The authors are dead, you know. And uh, you have to... You know, so we had to make do with what we had in the original script. And it was the most, I've got to say, the most exciting time I have ever had working uh, in this business was doing that movie because I finally got to figure out how they did all those special effects, and they were practical special effects. There was no CGI in that movie. Everything was, was uh, real. And uh, the, we had this director, Chris Wallace, who won, I think, an Academy Award for doing the effects on Ghostbusters or, or Raiders of the Lost Ark, one of the two I can't remember, and Stéphane, Dupu Stéphane Dupuis, who was a... Uh, Academy Award-winning makeup artist. There were a lot of really wonderful people. And I remember the very first day, 
Uh, I, you had to bring it up because now I'm going to ramble on. No, I'm not going to ramble on. I'm going to go really fast. I remember the very first day we were sitting in a boardroom. Uh, at, at the scene, at the opening scene in the movie is a, a boardroom where we're deciding what to do with this, you know, fly thing, this transporter, blah, 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 in these industries. And the executive producer at that time was Mel Brooks. And Mel and his wife and Bancroft. and Bancroft were coming to the set for the first day. And all you can hear on the radios is, yeah, they're off the plane. They're off the plane. They're in the car. Okay, they're coming up Granville Street. All right, they're at Broadway. All right, they're downtown. They're outside of the building. Everybody look busy. Everybody look busy. And... Uh, him and Anne Bancroft came waltzing through the set. I don't bother us. We just came for lunch. We just came for lunch. Just carry on what you're doing. I don't care. And we actually got and sat and had lunch for an hour with Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft. And it was the most fun I ever had in a movie. And that sort of locked me in. And uh, I absolutely reveled in that character. You were Scorby. awesome. He I just want just... to want to tell you that you were you did a, an amazing job, and and to go from from that to doing uh, you know an Optimus Primal voice, that's an incredible range to me, and I think I just think it's awesome, and I think you did a great well, job. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate I just it. Thought you should know that. <laughs> There's a guy right up here. Well done. There's one ahead of him. His arm's getting bigger. It's been up so long. <laughs> That was a great story, by the way. Uh, Jimmers, you make great music. That wasn't a question. <laughs> he's, just, he's ignoring you. Um, so this is kind of for both. There's two questions, one for the voice actors and one for the podcasts. So my understanding um, for you voice actors is that you also do live action, correct? Mm-hmm. All of you guys? Um, well, I'm actually from L.A. I actually flew out here just for now, but... Um, what is your, like, for animation and live action, what do you guys prefer and what do you bring over from the live action into your voice acting and make it, um, to be able to make it be fun for you guys and really bring your characters to life? Because I know that there's a completely different mindset that you have to step into for voice acting than actual act, than live action. It's interesting. I mean, the first thing is it's all acting. Uh, whether it's uh, on stage or in, in front of a camera or you're doing voice work, it all comes from, from actor training. So you're using the same basic skills. Um, although when I, uh, several years ago, I was doing a little bit of directing in the studio and I, brought, I, I wanted to bring in some of my stage friends uh, to do some, some voice acting and they found it really impossible to work just here. Heads up. Yeah. It was like, there was nothing there. They, they, not everybody, but there were several of them who really surprised me because they could not just work in their heads and create the character that way. Um, so, yeah, it, it's... I, can, I, I, I like to think, because I play guitar as well, and I, it's the difference between playing electric guitar and acoustic guitar. It's the same instrument, but it just takes a little bit of a different kind of a style. And, and one does feed the other. And as Greg was saying earlier, any, to, to take from, from one discipline and move to the other, it just enriches you as, a, as an artist, I think. Well, I would say I, I, I don't totally agree. And I, I, I found that when, you know, when I was teaching it for, for quite a while, is that to me, voice acting is the purest form of acting. 
because you have to fill in all the blanks, right? You have to do the geographic, you have to do the mental, the emotional. It all has to be there, you, and you have to lift it off the page and make it real and, and, and uh, to, to such an extent that people care about you as a character because even though that character is a cartoon, it's still in a real world. And for that character in that fantastical world, it's real to them. And if you make those uh, choices, those emotional choices or whatever they are, those acting choices, and make them false, then when people listening to it, they listen to it and they go, well, it's, I like it, but I don't really care. And that's the biggest sin. If you do a performance and, you, and people don't care about what you do because you're not caring or you're not delivering. And that's the most difficult thing, I think, about voice acting is that, okay, it is from the neck up, but you are using your entire body. That's how you get, it, how the, how you get that performance. And, and just being able to know. Uh, film acting, the blanks are pretty well filled in. But the other drawback, I'm going, to, I'm going to defer over to you, Greg, but uh, the other thing is, is that the camera never lies. The camera catches everything, every blink, every twitch, every falsehood that you, that you portray. It's very hard for me as an actor, even today, it's very difficult for me to watch myself on screen and go... Oh, yeah, that's good. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Because I know what's going on inside my head. And I know that I'm lying. Basically, that's what you're doing is you're lying. And it's, it takes a long time to, to get used to the fact that when you're watching yourself, you're actually doing a good show. Because when I watch it, all I see is the flaws. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying, is that the camera never lies. When you have a 40-foot screen with your head, and only your head on the screen, God damn it, you better be in it. If you're not in it, people just will... I mean, even as you... For those of you who are not experienced actors, or know nothing really about acting, or whatever it is, you can watch a movie, and you'll go, Oh, that sucked. Oh, that character sucked. And why did that character suck? Why did the character... The fundamental thing is that you don't believe them. And you know that they're lying to you. And then you go, oh, I'm being fooled. Rather than being seduced, I'm being lied to. Yeah, I don't like being lied to either. Uh, and I don't like lying. Um, to answer your question... I can't tell you what form of acting I like best because I like them all best. Uh, the difference between them is a translation problem more than anything else. The guitar analogy is a great one, great. and that and that uh, notion of uh, being caught in a lie is a great one because it's a horrible feeling. But in theater, you have to tell the truth, and that truth has to reach to the last row of the theater. In, on television and film, that truth is so specific that it has to reach to a camera lens that, again, is 
absolutely a microscope of you in that moment. Now you have the advantage of makeup, scenery, uh, other actors, uh, wardrobe, everything. In animation, you have those advantages, but they don't show up till six months after you've done this radio play. <laughs> so I've always been absolutely fascinated by that golden age of radio, uh, 40s, 30s, 40s, uh, where everyone's voice had to be so distinctive. <clears throat> the only way you could rise to stardom in radio in those days was to be so vocally distinctive uh, that then you'd be in magazines and then you'd uh, become a known quantity visually. It's like the difference between The Voice and American Idol. Uh, on The Voice, they don't turn their chair around until they've fallen in love with The Voice. Yeah. On American Idol, uh, you've got, uh, you, you have to have the brand and the camera friendliness and the camera readiness and all of that. On The Voice, they're falling in love with The Voice. I'm, I'm just saying the same thing. If... Um, Oh, shoot. Who's the Velvet Fog? Uh, oh, Mel if Torme. Mel Torme had been on Amer American Idol, as a, if he'd been on The Voice, four chairs would have turned around. If he'd been on American Idol, they would have said, uh, no, uh, we're going to pass. Uh, at any rate, translation problem. The goal is to tell the truth in any of these uh, realms. They're all different applications of your craft. Some people can, can work across... And some people get very stuck when they have to have restrictions on how they express themselves. In any of them, because so much of voice acting is now done in a vacuum where it's just you isolated in a booth with only a director and producers on the other side, so they have to literally create that reality for you to jump into. Um, older days, Everything was done ensemble. You were all in the sandbox together, and we're actors. We want to act and react and listen and feed off of each other. So, uh, you know, on stage, if you stop listening, boom, you're you're dead because you've let you've let the momentum die, and it's happening right now. In any of the other mediums where editing comes into play, they can fix that fatal error if you make it. Um, but when stuff is done now completely isolated, you're really creating pieces of a jigsaw puzzle and it's going to fall to the editor to put that jigsaw puzzle together and make a story. But so, I, so it's a shotgun approach. Shotgun approach is exactly right. The reason I would have to say voice acting is probably slightly in first position is uh, uh, because it's theater of the mind even for the actor. You, you have to make that reality in your head, but it has to be reality no matter how far-fetched it is. Also, in animation, uh, as a rule, no one will continually push you to do it smaller and smaller and smaller. And in fact, the animators will thank you. The more you give them to work with, the more they have to work with. I'm blabbing. <laughs> How about you're good at it, Craig? <laughs> Well, thank you. I'm a blabbermouth from way back. <laughs> and this is for the, the podcasters. Um, when you guys are, are looking for material, have you guys noticed any, um, any shows or comics that you see are inspired by Transformers? Or if you um, do see them, are you interested in going over them on your podcast and kind of uh, talking about them and the, the material that they're going to bring? So uh, we actually dedicated one section of our show 
uh, to that called Transforming Pop Culture, where we just looked for elements of Transformers that bled into other things. And there's a lot of examples of that. I mean... The Goldbergs. Uh, yeah, the Goldbergs. Uh, so the, the, uh, um, Adam, Adam F. Goldberg, who created the show, he is a huge Transformers fan, so he has put that into the show. I mean, there's an episode where uh, the 10-year-old version of him goes to see Transformers the movie and sees all his favorite characters get murdered. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, comedy that comes out of that. Uh, I, there's one episode where uh, the mom tries to pass off a GoBot as a Transformer, and uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's other things in sports. There's a you know there's a um, a football player whose nickname is Megatron, and you know that's of course uh, um, you know something that uh, Chad that, Johnson, huh? Chad Johnson says the Canadian. Uh, Calvin, Calvin Johnson. Johnson, sir, I'm Canadian. <laughs> uh, there was a tablet uh, a few years ago called the um, the Transformer Prime, and I think actually Hasbro sued them for, the, for using that name. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we we do notice that, and we try to we try to catch those uh, those references and, and highlight them to show that you know. I mean, I think we you know we we feel that Transformers has become this big uh, you know huge pop culture thing and we like to see that it's uh, it's it's growing and people are attracted to it um i think we're we're a little bit over we have time, some but more see, but we have, we have some more huh i i, I dealt us some more time i i dealt oh, okay it. all right well but uh, i know josh has been waiting so let him ask his question <laughs> so this one's for gary and richard both of you said that you auditioned for Megatron when you first went into Beast Wars. And I don't know about everybody else, but I'd be really interested in just hearing what your takes on a Megatron character would sound like. Well, now we'd just be doing David Kay impersonations, I think. You knew that was coming. Uh, Side guns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's very interesting because, of course, uh, uh, at the time, I was doing a lot of villains, and uh, David was quite new to the whole scene, and Gary yeah. had, had been doing uh, heroes and villains and things. So I, I kind of had cast it in my head totally differently. Uh, I, I figured that David was going to be doing Optimus, and Gary would be doing Rhinox, and I'd be doing Megatron, and I'm sure that Gary had much the same feeling. But as it turned out, I think it turned out as, uh, as the way it should have turned out. Yeah. Uh, and had I done Megatron, it would have sounded an awful lot like Rhinox, probably. Well, what can I say? <laughs> I was too nice to be Megatron. <laughs> it's just the way it was. Damn it. <laughs> Awesome. There's one back here. I have a, a, a one that I wanted to ask, building on off the young ladies back here. Because um, you guys all do real-world, uh, like, uh, live action, the, um, are, you guys must start to work with people that are fans of your, your voiceover work. Yeah. Um, is there any stories that you might have? Qu- quicker ones, because we're running <laughs> long. But uh, that are where you one have... One quick one. Yeah. The new uh, Power Rangers movie. There's a new Power Rangers movie coming out. <laughs> what? What? I, I like Power oh, Rangers. Okay, well, the new Power Rangers movie came out, and one of the martial artists, one of the Power Rangers guys, well, was on set, and he came up to me. He was an Asian fellow, and he said, Hey! 
you're Optimus. And I said, yes. And he goes, dude, I need your picture. Please, come on. So he took a picture, and I think it's on the, it's, it's on the Facebook now somewhere, or somewhere on the web. But yeah, we, I, have, I have some fans. Um, I, I, a curious one was Matthew Modine. You know, the, the actor Matthew Modine. Yep. Well, he was a fan because his son was a huge fan. And after 9-11 happened, uh, they live uh, in Greenwich Village. And they were quite close to where the World Trade came down. And her, his son was quite traumatized. So he sent me an email asking me that if I would send him the... Um, the um, all the uh, shows from Beast Wars, and at that time they're all in VHS. So I, uh, so I said, sure, I'll, I'll send you a crate. And uh, he goes, oh, that would be so great because the, my son relaxes so much with that sh- that show. And I said, okay. So I sent him a big box of all the, all the um, uh, the first couple of seasons of uh, of uh, Beast Wars. Never got him back. <laughs> but uh, no, he was he was quite happy, and it was uh, it uh, helped him get through that that mess of nine eleven. Perfect. You got one right here. Rich, great. Um, I really can't think of anybody who's uh, that I've worked with that's kind of. But I, I I guess I don't spend a lot of time. Well, we don't. I mean, you don't kind of go. Uh, Hello, Mr. Mandy Patinkin. I play Rhinox in Beast Wars. Uh, <laughs> no. But, but, and no one has basically recognized me. Occasionally someone say, I've, I've heard that voice before. And I'll say, yeah, well, I, I do voiceover work. But, uh, no, I haven't had an, an experience like Matthew Modine yeah, uh, was, not was... returning my tapes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was quite funny. I mean, it, 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 some funny stuff is that you'll, you'll get it. I was taking a bus. I was taking a bus. <laughs> I keep forgetting. But uh, no, I was, I was taking a bus in Victoria, of all places. And I'm riding in the bus, and I'm asking the bus driver, uh, do you stop in front of the Empress Hotel? Because I was out in the suburbs. And all of a sudden, this voice from the back of the bus goes, I know that voice! I know that voice! And the sailor came, a big black guy, came walking down the aisle, and he goes, you're Optimus Primal, aren't you? And I said, yes. <laughs> and he goes, I knew it. I know that voice. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. And I was doing okay. I was fine. And we started talking. But then, everybody on the bus, all of a sudden, because now they're twigging, oh, this guy's someone doing that. All of a sudden, they're twigging. They go, hey, you're that guy. You're that guy. We... Aren't you on that? You're that guy. And, it's a, and all of a sudden, all I wanted to do was go downtown and go down to the Empress Hotel. And, and it turned out to be this, this crazy fun time on the bus. And it was a long bus ride, but it was kind of like this. But it was, uh, it, was, it was quite fun. But I'll never forget that, that big voice from the back of the bus. And he was a sailor at Esquimalt at the naval base. And uh, you hear the, I know that voice! I know that voice! And come running down the aisle. It was hilarious. 
Um, first of all, just on a, on a personal note, uh, I'm a professional actor here in Chicago and uh, regional theater and stuff like that. And I really appreciate what all three of you had to say uh, about acting. And I'm totally going to steal the electric guitar, acoustic guitar thing. Because uh, I've done a lot of children's theater, and so I get asked that question sometimes. You know, is there a difference? And so that, that's, that's fantastic. Um, but for, for Gary and Richard in particular, um, did you know from the outset of Beast Wars that it was going to be somewhat serialized in nature and that there would be an overarching storyline because obviously prior to that a lot of cartoons you know didn't do that uh they they were very episodic in nature they were you know just commercials for toys really um and and what were your feelings on that i think i think it took us all by surprise the whole thing took us by surprise because we were used to doing uh the standalone half hour episodes of whatever it was um, and Beast Wars was, well, it, was, it changed the game in so many ways. The art changed the game. The writing changed the game. And I, I think at first, all we were hoping to do was get a second season, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, what it has become, I think, has taken us all by surprise. Uh, and it, it, without doubt, looking back on it now, you go, well, of course. Because take a look at the creative minds behind it and, and, and what it all meant and how it, how it was produced. Uh, but at the time, no, it was just a, it was a gig. And it just it became something so much more. But again, because of the care that was taken in, 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 in uh, presenting it. Remember seeing the first episode, and I'm going, yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we all got together for the first episode. We all, it was a, kind of a big party, and it was like, holy mackerel, is this what we're doing? Whoa. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about the time when it was made, this is before Toy Story, and it was like one of the first shows to be CGI, and it was... To my mind, amazing. I mean, when I look back at it now and look at the quality of CGI these days, oh yeah, it's uh, you know miles apart. But man, back then, that was like listening to stereo for the first time. I think what says I'm going to quickly hopscotch from that because I remembered what I forgot at the beginning of the panel. The stories were fabulous. In in all of these things. I mean, even the new cars can't really see around the next curve, even though they, they tell you on the ad that they can. And nobody knows what uh, the future life of anything may or may not be. But you, you get, you know, feelings like you're, you're on a winning team. When, when it's good, it's good. But what I wanted to say earlier was, and it's kind of zen, uh, but... As far as these podcast questions and podcast in general and the search to make each podcast more and more and more better understood, uh, all of these people and all podcasters are committing to the process in what is a very new genre, which is finding out where it's going with the help of all of you. So uh, the goal, the Zen part is going is the goal. They're going. You acquire tools as you do the best you can with the tools you have, but every time you see a new tool, you acquire it and try to master it. But anyway, I applaud it and salute it because it's creating a genre of its own only because of the people that are committing to the process. The results happen when they happen, but as you stumble around or don't stump, stop stumbling, you know, greatness may pop out because, because you've created an environment within which greatness might happen. 
I agree. What he said. <laughs> and actually, yeah, I, we got, uh, you can be the last question then. Um, so the other one was for the podcasters, and I have to be completely honest, Transmissions is, is really the one that I have the most familiarity with at this point. Um, but in, in kind of going off of what you were saying about creating sort of a new genre, uh, when you're interviewing people, not necessarily coming from, you know, journalist background, as far as I know, um, do you feel any sort of sense of sort of duty to your audience to ask certain questions? Or do you just take a sort of a fan's perspective and say, hey, I'm a fan, I want to know this, and, and then go from there? I, I, I got into doing a lot of uh, interviews with uh, folks, not, not just voice actors, but also people in toy industry at New York Comic Con and etc. Back in 2011, I tried to take that a lot more seriously. And I found uh, a way that makes it really fun for me and what seems to make it enjoyable for the folks who do check those things out is I try to come from a fusion of the two because I don't have a journalistic background, but I hear a lot about tenants of journalism and I listen to a lot of interviews with actors and I know what I'm bored of hearing. So uh, sort of in tune with just the way I like to do things on this podcast and elsewhere, I like a conversational tone. So if I run an interview, uh, there will be the obvious one or two questions that are on topic to ask, but I feel those are more openers to establish the conversational rhythm. After that, I'd much rather ask the subject about, or try to at least draw out if I can't detect it, what they're interested in talking about right now and make it, I guess, more of a timeless conversation uh, that isn't hinged on, oh, what's the new media you're in or uh, what, what's your what's your experience been with this show we're at? Like Those are, to me, icebreakers more so than having an actual conversation uh, that then can be vicariously enjoyed by a listenership. And it just feels like something that, I, from what I understand from people who've listened to them, people feel that they're getting more out of it and they feel like you know, you can get that vicarious sense of uh, a more laid-back conversation that lets you hear more of the subject's, I guess, inner thoughts. Like, I, I spoke with Dan Gilvezan at TF Expo, and um, I didn't even know he was doing this, but we spent a good while talking about the books he's writing, uh, which sound pretty cool. So, and by the way, look them up. Uh, they're quite interesting. So that's, that's my own approach. Anyway. Um, I think I agree in that it has to be a bit of both. Like, you have to be a fan and think about what you want to know as a fan. That is really important. Otherwise, you run the risk of asking really boring and dry questions. But there is definitely an art to interviewing. And I find one of my favorite things is if I can get someone to tell me something that they never intended to tell me without even realizing that they've answered me, that is my, you know, my favorite thing to do. It doesn't always work, but when it works, you know it. Like when you get someone to kind of like stop for a minute and think about it and then give you an answer and then they just keep going with it as well. So you can see that they're really engaged in it as well. So they're not just, you know, sort of giving you the standard answer that they've given another, you know, three different podcasts before you, then you know you're doing it right. Uh, so I think there definitely is an art to interviewing there, but you do have to be interested in the subject matter as a fan to make it actually work. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for from my point of view, I always think about well, you know, if I, I when I listen to other other interviews, there's always lots of questions like why didn't you ask this one question? So I try to think about those those questions and 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 formulate them before you know before I get ready for the interview. And I also think it's important to ask. I, I don't, I don't want to grill, you know, like antagonize the person, but I think it's important to ask maybe uncomfortable questions, you know, questions that maybe, uh, you know, 
someone who would, was not a fan of their work might ask them or ask you know a question about, well, you know, some people didn't really like why you did this or why you cho- made this choice uh, artistically. Can you explain that? And I think, you know, as as someone who is mo- largely a fan of most of the uh, Transformers properties and and things, I try to to, to kind of take a little bit of an objective approach and say, well, let me let me ask the really deep fan questions where, you know, I ask the kind of super nerd questions, but also ask questions about, uh, you know, and try to get them to uh, explain themselves to people who maybe aren't their fans. I should have a quick follow-up. You just reminded me of something that I think is really important, which is bringing out what you call the uncomfortable questions. Uh, I actually had an experience at uh, New York Comic Con where I spoke with a gentleman from a toy company who uh, has his fans online, does not have his fans online. And uh, I enjoy the stuff that they make, and I felt like this is an opportunity to, sort of as a self-test as well, can I ask these questions without it being, you know, like you're saying, not being antagonistic, but trying to just draw an answer out. And it was fascinating, uh, because it was a fellow who was used to giving a product demo as part of his interview and uh, I didn't get everything I wanted but I, I got a very interesting conversation out of it uh, even with the video aspect uh, mm-hmm. where you can see the the product demo starting and then stopping because I just wanted to make the best of our time and uh, it, it was a really it's a very hard I thought it was a very hard thing to do but if you do want to do a lot of interviews and, and bring out you know the interesting information that you haven't heard on other podcasts Figuring out how to ask a difficult question without making it an attack, I think, is like, is all, like you were saying, it's almost an art form, uh, which I did a real bad job of, but I, I didn't get punched in the face. So I, I didn't fail, I guess? I think one of the biggest things is we're, we're not, you know, investigative journalists. We're not trying to, you know, trap people. So I think we just we try to make them feel comfortable. But if we can get something that people haven't heard before, it's just, you know, it's a bonus, and that's kind of what we all shoot for. All right, and last question. So um, last year, Gary Chalk was supposed to be at Charlotte, and uh, he wasn't able to be there. And uh, I was so excited for him to be there that I was going to ask him about his role in Fly 2. <laughs> and uh, so this year I was thinking about it and thinking about it and I had prepared it in my head how I was going to do it and the reactions and everybody would just love me and now I'm here and I really don't know what to do with the rest of my weekend but, but this is a question for the uh, podcasters uh, you guys are fans and you have lives and you have families um, is it hard to get all of you together, or has that gotten easier over time? Uh, do you, at, at first, was it difficult to get everybody's schedules on the same page, or has it just became, become like, well, this is Friday, this is what we do? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, for transmissions, we worked out uh, a, day, uh, you know, a regular recording day, and we used to try to stick to that. <laughs> um, one one person on the podcast has had some life changes that's <laughs> been screwing with their well, schedule a little multiple, bit. Multiple, like between like oh, yeah, kids yeah, and yeah, stuff. It, it's it has gotten harder. Yeah, but you know we we generally stick to our plan. Yeah, and if and we we you know we we either if if everyone can't do it you know we'll do just you know three out of four or we'll get guests you'll get you know guests on the show to to fill in stuff like that. So that's. 
just, just to get you, just because I feel bad about this already, just so you understand. You're the guilty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Charles, what time, what time, don't, not what day, what time do we start recording? Uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay, that's the time we turn on Skype. What time do we start recording? <laughs> 10 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> what time do we wrap it up? Oh, 1 a.m. <laughs> what time do you go to work? Oh, 8. <laughs> My kids get up at 6, though. There you go. It's painful. So we really have to like what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Just uh, the, the way that we structured things, back in 08, we had two teams of three, and I'd podcast with each of them so that the only person with a weekly obligation would be me, everyone else would be bi-weekly, and we'd meet on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific, or Eastern, I forgot which, uh, and that way we'd have our Friday nights free, so we could still have our lives. Uh, now, uh, the way things work, we still have the teams, uh, they're smaller now, um, the even-numbered teams that Aaron is on, he's on the even-numbered episodes, we generally meet on Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, or Sundays, depending on sometimes, how our... Sometimes Saturdays. Sometimes Saturdays. Uh, and then uh, the odd team is now mostly just myself and my friend Seth, uh, Seth Buzzard, online. Seth Buzzard's workplace is currently best described as hot, wet hell, as far as uh, his schedule. So with Seth, it's mostly a case of around about Wednesday, I'll send him a message and I'll say, hey, Seth, how's the week looking? Uh, and that's where we decide, will a weekday even work? Or would a weekday mean I'm broadcasting with a gentleman who just finished a 15-hour workday and would like to not be conscious? Uh, so... In our case, uh, and I guess this is something that if you want to do a podcast, it'll go on for many, many years, well past its expiry date. Uh, you got to start feeling more like it's less about the rigid day of the week that we record, and it's about just every week and being comfortable with each other enough to go like, all right, can we just roll with this organically until things settle down? The downside of that is when your schedule works like ours does, it suddenly becomes a lot harder to convince people to come on with us because we'll approach even just a friend of mine and say, hey, do you want to fill in for someone who's away this week? And he says, okay, what day? I'm like, uh, well, it'll either be uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Sunday. Um, maybe Saturday. Maybe Saturday. Sometime around 9 p.m., unless Aaron or Seth needs to get up early, in which case it'll probably be closer to 6, but then we might talk for about an hour or two depending on whether the world news has been interesting or we're all very tired. Uh, and then they hang up on me, which is really weird because I'm not even... They just typed that they did it. I'm talking to them on Twitter DMs. Um, so it's something that we're working on. But uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing, especially past your first couple of years, to keep doing the one day. And I feel like, to me, the thing that uh, an advantage podcasts offer is you don't have to keep it the one day. You just have to keep the rhythm going. And the rhythm is bigger than just a certain block of time in one day. And you don't even have to do it weekly. If your schedules are getting really complicated, just drop to bi-weekly. Mm -hmm. You know, just change your schedule. I mean, your audiences are very forgiving. But but we've not missed a weekly recording yet, ever. Well, and now that we're at 429, if we miss a weekly recording, what even are we? What was? What were those last eight and a half years? We can't stop now. Once upon a time, the goal was 300 episodes. Now the goal is 500, and after that, the goal is glory <laughs> or nothing. We'll never stop podcasting, Aaron. Your life and mine are t like two strings tied together like DNA, Aaron. For the rest of our lives. Uh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah, try putting a band together. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like very much. Me? Like yeah, it. I'm fine. Oh, Chris? No, no, Chris is never all right. No, you're Ever. okay. I'm pretty calm. <clears throat> I just wanted to and uh, like follow all this up with the uh, um, our our show. We all four of us have wives, and the they are all. Uh, they're saints. They're, they are the unsung heroes of our show because they don't generally understand what we do, um, but they give us the time once a week to go and sit and talk about Transformers with our friends on the computer, uh, and, and while they handle everything. Getting to look and like a crazy person because yeah. they can't hear the other side of the conversation. Right. You get fired up and yeah. and riled up and then you just get a message of, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> so they, they really, I mean, every single week, we're down recording for four hours, five hours sometimes. For a two hour show. <laughs> for a two hour show, yeah. And it's just, they, honestly, they deserve so much credit because you know, my wife in particular does she doesn't know Really, she doesn't want to know anything about Transformers, and that's fine with me. But it's it's she she really just she's a saint, and and yeah, the wives then the wives and the girlfriends they they deserve a lot of credit. The, the transmissions guys are saints as well because they had me on once and they, they started a thing that got me excited like maybe a few minutes ago and they were very patient because no one should be picking Burger King over uh, anything. <laughs> Speaking of patience, we started something right at the beginning of this thing about a prize. All right, so, so Daryl, have you been giving out extra tickets to all the question askers? Yes, I have. Okay, good. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, everyone's got a ticket, so we've got some prizes, so we're going to do a draw. So I'm going to ask our voice actor guests to pick the winners. Seems appropriate. Um, so uh, we have... Uh, so we have three prizes. So we have two copies of Till All Are One, number one, the Transmissions podcast exclusive. Uh, the artists who worked on this book are here this weekend. So if you win this book, and you can also buy copies at our table. $10. Um, Highly recommended. <laughs> you, um, you can get them signed. The artists will sign them for free. So, uh, you know... You can get your copy signed while they're here. Sarah Peter Drew O'Shea did the interior artwork. Uh, Alex Milne did the cover art. And Josh Woo! Perez did the cover colors. So. Woo! All right. So first issue, Mr. Chalk, will oh, you okay. pick? Faster. <laughs> I'm doing okay. Okay, we have three, nine, seven, one, zero, zero. No. Woohoo! <laughs> I think we have to pick another one. Pick again. Three, nine, seven, one, zero, zero. They're about to Aha, they lose. Hey, let's go again. <laughs> it's really okay. Good. All right, no, this is, yes, this is 397033. Three. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, we, got, we, we, we got a winner. Oh, yay! We got a winner. Woo! Yay! 
Awesome. Woo! Gonna verify here. <laughs> Check the tear edges. Check oh, the tear edges. That is a match. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> Mr. Newman. Will you pick the next one? So this is for the second copy. And the numero is we're bilingual in Canada. <laughs> Three nine seven zero six eight. Three nine seven zero six eight. Nobody. No. Killer. Uh, started. That many people through the panel. I mean, I, I brushed my teeth before I came here. I didn't think it was that bad. <laughs> they, they got bored with the voice actors. <laughs> three nine seven zero nine nine. Three nine seven zero nine five. Oh. 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 Congratulations. And it's a match. All right, the final prize. This is the big one. So the ultimate the ultimate guide to vintage Transformers action figures. So you can use this and make sure you get good deals uh, at the the uh, booths today or tomorrow. Wave the book at you can also uh, you can you can haggle with Daryl at our parts party later this evening and tomorrow evening. So it's written by Mark Belomo. We talked to him and interviewed him on the show. It's a great guy. Collects a lot of toys. A lot of toys. Uh, oh, scared myself. <laughs> Gary stirred this too much. Feels like potato salad in here. Three, nine, seven, zero, nine, one. No? For real? No chance. No chance. Let's do her again. Do her again. Do again. Do over. Kept trying to pull five out. Three, nine, seven, zero, nine, seven. Anybody? Come on. No. It's, hard. it's not that. It's hard to get one. It's easy to get three. Might be a lot of blanks in there. Woohoo! Three, nine, seven, zero, two, five. Oh, come on. Sorry. We got one? Someone's standing. We got one. Yeah. Winner! It's a match. All right. Thank you, everyone. Uh, before we go, uh, Aaron, you wanted to plug uh, Extra Life? Uh, yeah. So um, if you guys listen to the WTF TFW podcast or somehow don't do that but manage to follow me on social media, you know that uh, coming up in two weeks, I'm doing a 24-hour video gaming marathon in order to raise money for Riley Hospital for Children. Uh, the program is called Extra Life. Um, I have actually have some custom dice made that is our team logo on it. 
Uh, if you find me through the course of the weekend or right after this, a uh, small donation, I give you one of these as an offer of thanks. It goes directly to help um, hospital care for children at Riley's Hospital for Children. Another person that's also playing uh, but has not raised any money yet is uh, sitting next to me. Uh, I have this amazing idea that I thought of all by myself where in order to help raise money rather than participate in the 24-hour gaming marathon of Extra Life, I will instead be doing 24 one-hour marathons in the name of Extra Life. I thought about this idea by myself during a podcast when I had a moment of lucidity while speaking to Aaron. (laughs) He heard this voice in his head that probably sounded suspiciously like mine. Yeah, the voice in my head sounds a lot like Aaron, but I stopped worrying about that around 2011 when I realized it must be some kind of kismet. But yes, so um, the horrible thing I'm going to do to myself... So the first year I set a goal for myself that was very high was $1,000 and I'd get a tattoo. And then that happened. That's the logo. The next one was I'd shave my goatee. I've had the goatee for 12, 13 years or so. And then that happened. And then as I went through it, I thought, hey, what will it look like with the mustache? And I was told in no uncertain terms that I shall never do that because I look far too much like my father. So I thought, what else could I do? So this year... Uh, my goal, if I hit 1250, which would be a new high for me, is going to be shaving the head. Or if somehow that I don't make that number and the team makes its overall goal of 5,000. So um, again, it's a thing I, I believe in and um, work hard every year to make this stuff happen so that we can help out sick children in need. And if he shaves his head, he's going to leave the goatee, which means that if you help this happen, you will have helped create the Transformer fandom's own Heisenberg. He's an engineer. He's not a chemist, but he's like a chemist if chemists didn't use chemicals, but instead use physical objects, kind of. So help this happen. It's very important for... Someone, I'm sure. The, the children. For the children. The kids. The kids. I, well, it's important for the children, but seeing Aaron with no hair is important for me. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, <laughs> um, thank you uh, to all the podcasters. Thank you to the voice actors for, uh, for joining us. Um, before we go, uh, I just want to also announce Transmissions is offering another prize for the weekend. We have uh, G2 Masterpiece figures, Sideswipe, and Bumblebee. Uh, and we're going to have a drawing for that in the Sunday 4 p.m. podcast panel. So that's at the very end of the show. Uh, now, huh? Oh, sorry. Uh, I think that was outside. Okay. They don't count. <laughs> but if, uh, but if, you're not, if, you're, if you're not, you don't have to be here to win. You just have to get a ticket, and we will take your information so we make sure we know uh, who's entered. But uh, you can... Uh, it, but if you are here at the 4 p.m. panel, you can get a free ticket at the 4 p.m. panel. If you buy one of our comics at our booth, you get another ticket. If you come to our parts party in the evenings, uh, it's at room 956 tonight and tomorrow evening. You also get a free ticket. Uh, so there's lots of ways to enter for free. And for if you buy a comic, you also get an extra entry. So that's always nice. Um, and, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, for joining us. Did I miss anything? Plugs. No. Plugging the show. Oh, plugging... Listen to the podcast, of course. So, yeah. WTF at TFW, how do you find them? Uh, we are at TFW2005.com, WTF.TFW2005.com. My personal plug is I also post every episode on Evangelist.ca. And also, we're doing a panel on Friday. That's today. We're doing a panel on Sunday <laughs> after the whole show is done. Just stay in this room. After the dealer room closes, why would you go anywhere else? Just come to this room, sit down, feel comfortable, watch the organizers, then keep sitting here. Don't move. And then we're going to start doing one of these again. And you can win the, that, those D2 Masterpiece figures at that panel. Cool. 
Podcast Maximus. Uh, you can find us, Podcast Maximus, on Twitter and Facebook, or you can find us on the TF Archive website where you can download all our episodes and obviously iTunes and so on and so on. And transmissions, transmissionspodcast.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. All the links are on our website, www.transmissionspodcast.com. Not Zoom. Not, we're not on Zoom. We're, we are on iTunes and Google Play. And, <laughs> um, also, uh, so we are coming up on our 200th episode in a few weeks, and we have a Twitter contest. Uh, so you can win a Blu-ray copy of Transformers the Movie by tweeting to us a Transformers the Movie quote with the hashtag TFTM30quote. So tweet us a quote from the movie. You will be entered in the contest to win that Blu-ray. You will retweet with the following line. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you know, yeah. So you know, line for. So you know, if you were to tweet, if you were to tweet, uh, you know, why throw away your life so recklessly? I would tweet back. That's a question you should ask yourself, Megatron. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> thank, thank you so much to the voice actors for joining us. Perpetrators, they're here to stay.